You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I want to begin this morning just a reminder of a, of a Psalm 51 story. David has done what he's done with Bathsheba. David has done what he's done and had Bathsheba's husband murdered. And the baby that he was having with Bathsheba has, has died. And Nathan the prophet comes to David and tells him a story of a man who had company coming. It's very wealthy. And, but instead of killing one of his own animals to feed the, the guest that he was having, he stole the one sheep that, from a guy that only had one. And David is enraged. He says, bring that man to me. And Nathan the prophet says, you are that man. Psalm 51 is David's cry to the Father. Psalm 51 is David asking for forgiveness. And it's very clear in that passage that David recognizes that yes, he's wronged Bathsheba and yes, he's wronged Uriah, but but he admits, Father, it's you. It's with you where the real problem is. And he, and he says in Psalm 51, 10, the, the words we sing pretty often, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me because David knew somewhere inside him that that which was broken, that which would separate him from God was not going to be, was not going to be restored, was not going to be renewed and would not bring peace until there was a renewing and a correction and forgiveness that he was needing. David knew that something hung in the balance when he said before God, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. David knew something. It's that something that we need to discover this morning. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to go with me to Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> this is a passage in Mark chapter 11. I'll start reading in verse 22 in just a minute. This is a passage on prayer. And I find it to be in conflict with our typical perspective on prayer and especially the boldness by which we can expect a miraculous or a dynamic outcome, a dynamic result of our prayer. Because isn't it bold, if I just ask you this question, isn't it bold for us to hear that what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That sounds pretty bold. That's somewhere in that disconnects 
from the practical Christian life that most of us live. Because I don't really see many who would be able to say what those things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I don't know many people that pray that way anymore because if they started out praying that way, then their life has been adjusted somewhat by the disappointment they felt because whatever they asked, they didn't get. So I find a bit of a disconnect, but I don't think Jesus was kidding here. You know, these words were written in red. I don't, again, I don't know how Jesus spoke them in red, but somehow he did. So that, so that when they came out typed, they came out red. It seems extreme and faulty teaching to create that kind of expectation in believers, doesn't it? We, we, we will always come to this passage a bit guarded. Because if I have a new believer and they go here, and they come to me and say, is this true? Then I'm, I, I can assure you, I will want to tell them yes and stop there. But more than likely, I'm going to put some stuff around it. More than likely, I'm going to try to manage the disappointment that they're going to feel the first time they do it. And what they ask doesn't happen. I'm just going to do this as, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. Some people are bothered by hand raising. And, but if you're not bothered, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever failed to pray for something because you were already concerned that it wasn't going to happen? Oh, yeah. See, we've all adjusted somewhat. So we, there, there's something here that we need to get. There's something here that we absolutely need to understand. So it, as, you, as you're turning there, if you're not already there, I'll tell you briefly of the, the origin of this message. I walked into the house yesterday morning and Jan was talking to our sister-in-law who lives in Midland. Her name is Joanne and uh, she is a remarkable woman, taught school for many years. She's retired and she and Bill live in, Jan's brother live in Midland. But many years ago, when their daughter, Audra, was born, the complications were extreme. I mean, I, I don't know if, if we ever, I know I didn't, fully comprehend the danger that that child was in. She was born in Andrews. They flew her, not privately, not in some type of an ambulance plane, but on a commercial plane to uh, the hospital in Galveston. The, the stories went, the doctors recommended, the doctors asked Bill and Joanne if they would be willing to sign a donor card for the organs. This is where they were. Kidney, renal failure, and this tiny baby went, in, went into the hospital in November didn't get out until Easter. And how many days, and I mean day after day after day, that everyone's belief, telling Joanne, telling Bill, you know, please prepare yourself for the worst. And Joanne would not hear it. 
she would not hear it. To hear her tell this, I need to get her here and just let her tell you this whole story. I, I don't know how many hours it would take because she knows the details. But there was a point in the story where Audra was just critical, kind of hour by hour, minute by minute. And God brought up to Joanne in three different ways, sermons, radio, things, this, this word, forgiveness. Just forgiveness, forgiveness, three times forgiveness. Very random ways. And she realized. She realized that there was some things going on. Some things within her. Situations that had happened. People who had kind of given up. People who had rejected this excitement because Joanne had, been, had received the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit and so sometimes when you begin to tell people about that, they don't know how to handle it. It's very easy to be offended in those moments when you share it and it's rejected. But Joanne understood. And God called her to this place of forgiveness. So she went to the individuals that she was supposed to go to and she went to the church where she attended. And she was telling us, telling Jan that that morning they had a guest pastor. And so she goes up and tells him, I need, I need to, to say something. I need to tell them. And this young man said, well, why don't you just whisper it in my ear and I'll tell them. And she said, no, I've got to tell them. And she told them across that body how sorry she was for any judgment, any condemnation in the assessment that she had made of them. And I don't remember how, how soon she said it was, but it was, it was that night. That the miraculous happened. So they were standing there in this bag hanging on the side of the bed that had been dry began to fill up. The kidney started working. Audra's a beautiful young woman. Blessed in so many ways. <clears throat> but they just wouldn't hear it. She was telling Jan all the things that they would do, the things they would anoint. Some of the cousins down there that were close had their... Jan's other sister cut out their hands and, and anointed them and sent them down there so that they could be in the bed with this baby. This was, this, she was telling it. You knew that this was a story of a testimony of prayer. It was a testimony of great sacrifice because Joanne or Bill were there most of the time in the six months. It was, a, it was a testimony of spiritual warfare. It was a story of obedience and of faith and a story of forgiveness. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Verse 22, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. 
For verily I say unto you that whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. What power if we don't take this scripture apart? If we don't segregate it, if we don't pull out verse by verse, because I want us to notice the dynamic and the very specific order in which this teaching unfolds. Jesus told them as a starting point, have faith in God. We know that, have faith in God. I could stop and preach on that, but that's not where God took me. The instruction and the promises follow, but then there's verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. Notice that the conjunction that begins verse 25 is the conjunction and. You can't separate it from what's right before it. So what's right before it, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you, shall, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, see that's one thought. When God said it, when Jesus said it, he didn't stop and say, okay, now verse 24. He didn't stop and say, okay, now verse 25. That was one thought tied together with the conjunction and. And when you stand praying, forgive. If we consider how many prayers that were spoken have been spoken, uttered with miraculous content found within it, when we dared ask for the impossible, when we pursued that which we by faith have been taught to ask, I wonder how many of those prayers, if we consider how many people hold something against someone either they know well or somebody they barely know, I wonder if we would be surprised how far away God might seem because here we are praying for the miraculous and over here having ought against someone. Now, if this wasn't connected by the conjunction and I could separate these two things, I don't have that privilege. If I'm going to ask for the miraculous, ask for the supernatural, ask beyond what we could comprehend, but over here, I have ought against my brother. I wonder how many times we wondered why that, that prayer wasn't answered. Don't we know? Because I wonder. I truly wonder if we, could, if we could actually see this. 
If there was some way to, I'd like to picture this. I think it would be a bit odd if it were to happen, but you know, what if we had a gauge right here in the middle of our forehead that just measured the things we needed measured? And everybody's sitting out here today. Everyone, let's go beyond that. Let's sitting in church today. And what we were measuring is if people had ought against someone. Ill feelings, anger, frustration, bitterness. If anybody had any of that, that it would show on this gauge, I wonder how many people we would find where the, where the gauge read zero. Yeah, zero. <laughs> That's probably. And then we wonder, because listen to this again. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. So who gets, who gets put in this category that says, yeah, but God, if you knew what I knew about them, you'd have ought against them. We know, we know a few like that. How many are in that group? It's zero again. If you have ought against any, now I'm talking, and I, I want us to get this as large as any really means. Got any issues with any politicians these days? <laughs> Commentators, church leaders, friends down the street, relatives have ought. Against any? And we wonder. You see, Jesus wasn't confusing us here. As a matter of fact, he very conveniently, conveniently dropped the and in there that says, and when you're standing, praying, forgive. He gave us the means right there by which we could understand what he had said right before it. I'm very, you, you can tell if you've listened to me preach very long, I am passionate about these passages in the scripture because they bring us back to the useful, to the applicable, and to the practical experience with the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, what we know about God, we find to be of no real practical use. We know a lot about him, but it, we just don't know how to live what we know. Except to try to follow the rules that we think he's written down. That's the way we have learned to follow him. But I love these passages because it allows us to see how those very powerful things of God can affect me every day. Every day to live knowing first of all that I am forgiven and what is excluded in his forgiveness of me. Nothing. His forgiveness of me is total and complete. So what kind of forgiveness do I get to offer someone else? Total and complete forgiveness so that I will have no ought against anyone. Because forgiveness isn't something I do, it's the spirit that I have in me. 
It's the spirit of forgiveness, not simply an action I take. And if I have the spirit of God now living in me, that I have that spirit of forgiveness directly attached to me. And if I will let him reign in my life, I will live in this position so that when I stand, I will not have to, to seek forgiveness or to forgive others because the spirit of God in me, who also gave me the prayer that I need to be praying, establishes the forgiveness so that I can pray that in a way that I have no ought, nothing against anyone. We rule this almost completely out. Forgiveness is the name of and at the heart of all restoration, salvation, and renewal. You're going to hear me talk tonight in the teaching about the necessity, strange as it is, not because he needs it, but because we, we, need, we need to understand it, how often we find it necessary to find this forgiveness with God because we're holding ought against Him. Isn't that something? Here we sit, having been made free by the blood of His Son because He so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son, and I'm sitting here having something against that God who did that. And how many times the place where forgiveness and renewal has to start is with, with him. Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. And Jesus said to him, I say unto you, until seven times seven. Not until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490 times. You all know anybody like that? That you've had to forgive 490 times? What was Jesus just saying? Every time. But, it's a, but I'll tell you, it's, it becomes very simple because that, that could wear a fellow out. If you know, if you know 100 people and, there, and there's a possibility that 100 people could offend you, that's 4,900 times you're going to have to be apologizing. Why don't we just take the easy step and let the spirit of forgiveness live in us so that forgiveness becomes who we are and not simply something we do 490 times because that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. The answer is absolute quick, it's very clear. But is it possible to live this way? Is it possible to live where I have nothing against anyone? Is that possible? Can I live where I have nothing against anyone? And the answer strangely, powerfully, and beautifully is yes. On Wednesday night, I spoke on, from Matthew chapter 27 when Jesus is on trial. <clears throat> and I asked this question. I started with asking, why was Judas so anxious to get rid of the silver? Well, I'm not going to re reteach that part, but I would say this. If Judas was standing here and he makes this turn and he goes to the religious leaders trying to give the silver back. 
And the religious leaders say, we have nothing to do with you. That's your business now. What is standing here? He had gone to Jesus. What would the message have been? I forgive you. I love you. I love you because in a few hours, I'm going to prove it. If Pilate, standing there, listening to his wife, trying for his wife, telling him don't have anything to do with this guy. He's honorable. He's true. If Pilate would have turned to Jesus here, instead of the crowd seeking advice on whom he should release, he came to the, he came to the crowd and they're crying out. But what would have happened if Pilate would have just turned to Jesus? What would he have heard? I love you. I love you. Forgive you of anything. I love you. What about this crowd? This multitude crying Barabbas. What if they had turned to Jesus instead of the mob's cry for blood and sought forgiveness instead of going here? They had come to Jesus. What would Jesus have said? I love you. And I'm about to prove it. In just a few hours, you're going to see the depth, the breadth of this love that I have for you. Am I capable of such a heart as his? Could I deal with Judas that way? Could If Judas, who had done what he's done, came to me, sold me for 30 pieces of silver in business or in families or any situation, if, if someone has sold me for 30 pieces of silver and they come to me and, 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 and look at me, could I tell them? You're forgiven. I love you. You're forgiven. If someone has condemned me to die, can I come if they come to me and say, I'm so sorry, what words would they hear from me? They would hear that. Are we capable of that same heart that Jesus displayed in those few hours? Yes, we're capable. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit showed me was that they thought they had Jesus on trial. They thought they had Jesus in a place where they were reducing him, removing him. The disciples had now fled. His ministry had shrunk basically to this moment and they thought they had Jesus on the ropes. And what they didn't get and what we often miss is that Jesus wasn't on trial there. They were. They weren't examining him. He was examining them. You see, I, I, I know that, I'm going to state the obvious. I know I'm not God. But I hope, and I hope that I'm hoping this with you, that even though I can announce in the broadest way that I'm not, I hope, that someone who is looking at me sees only him. 
And if they do, they're going to see this forgiveness as I stand and pray, knowing that I have nothing against anyone. I know I haven't arrived in, in, this, in this category the way that I'd like to, but I am so grateful that I am not where I used to be. I don't live, I don't live angry anymore. I don't live with anything against anyone anymore. If, you know, God, God has taken that away. I mean, it's, it's very strange. I know it is sometimes for, for Jan. Because God won't let me hold a political opinion of any kind. It's been odd. I, I, I exercise my privilege as an American, absolutely. But I don't have the privilege of forming the opinions I once held because that opinion was always putting me against someone. If he called us, according to Matthew chapter 13, he called us to be this healing bomb, this tree that would grow up into this, and in, in, to bring healing, that's who he made us to be. But it says then that, that herb became a tree. That was an unnatural act because the minute that we as the church take on a political position, then who's gonna bring the healing? Because immediately when we took up an, a political agenda, where did we end up? What are we called? We're the far right. Who's going to minister to the far left? Who's going to minister to the middle? You see, I don't have the privilege of forming an opinion that sets me at odds against someone because I get to read this scripture. If I have aught against any. Inventory time. Not who are you mad at? Who's in control in here? Who's sitting on the throne in here? I can't tell you to go examine everybody that you might be offended by and, and, and make that right. If God shows you, you go do it. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for an exchange of who sits on the throne of your heart. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to sit right here, I won't have to worry. You won't either about whether you live a life offended at anyone because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of forgiveness. There's, not plan, there's only plan A. There's not plan B. If I, were to, if I were to say, Billy, I forgive you, that would mean, Billy, I forgive you, but whatever you do, don't, did, don't do it again. That's what our human forgiveness sounds like. What does God sound like? Billy, forgive you. Well, what if I do it again tomorrow? Forgive you. It's already done. Not keeping score anymore. It's not, a, it's not an action taken. It's a condition of the heart. Forgiveness got formed in the heart of somebody who lives in me, not simply by the action that I take. I will tell you, God will often tell you to go to someone and make something right. That's obedience. But I will assure you, we were singing these songs a while ago. I'm asking this question, are we capable of having that kind of heart? Are we, just, I don't even wonder right now how many people you're angry at. And what that bitterness is actually doing. 
what, what devastation that bitterness is actually creating. In the opening pages of Watchman Nee's book, The Breaking of the Outer Man and the Release of the Holy Spirit, Watchman Nee makes this bold statement. Every child of God should be able to exercise his spirit, his spirit, to secure God's presence in his spirit, to know God's word through his spirit, to touch men's condition by his spirit, to convey God's word through his spirit, and to sense and to receive divine revelation, divine revelation with his spirit. That's not the abnormal life, that's the normal life that I should have at any time and all times access and he should have access to me to the Spirit of God who lives in me. I have no doubt nor should any of us that by his Spirit we can live such a life where we do not have aught against any other person. By us, no. By him, yes. Listen to these words that we just sang a few minutes ago. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside. Jesus, you have given us freedom, no longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness, you have given us freedom. How about this one? How about I get lost and take another picture? Y'all look good in that picture. So what can I say and what can I do but, but offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you? What if I do that? What if I offer this heart completely to him and he comes and he indwells fully this heart? Will I have to worry about forgiving others? No, it's done. It's a fact. He's already forgiven. And then these words. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. There's the heart again. In awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, I will stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. So where do I get to hold this vengeance? Where do I get to hold this bitterness if I've given him my heart? Where, where's the reservoir for it? We don't have one. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. That was David's prayer. We get to read in Psalm 32 where it was answered, where the complete restoring of David's heart. I would ask you this morning, again, the gauge is, do you have something against anyone? If the answer is yes, don't, don't ask first, okay, God, what would you have me to do to go make it right? The first question I would ask you to consider is who's sitting on the throne of my heart? Have I given it all? Or have I held part in reserve where the bitterness resides? Lord, thank you, Father, for this reminder that as we stand, forgive. As we stand and pray, forgive. How much of the supernatural finds its a bottleneck 
in our bitterness. How much of what you want to do? Because God, we, we, it's, it's not a mystery. We know fully that the supernatural requires this faith in God. This trust in you that you speak of in the, in the opening verse here. But if you don't exist within us because we've kept a place of bitterness and you don't have our heart, we're, we're praying that, that you would do something and living before you in that compromise already. Lord, help us understand this. Not as a condition, but as a means by which the supernatural can flow freely. How few there will be unless they have surrendered their heart to you and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how few there would be, none that, that are living right now that aren't holding something against someone. On a national level, an international level, angry as believers at someone who disagrees or whose opinions or perspectives are different than ours. Thank you, Father, that you remind us in Matthew 27 that you were measuring Judas, you were measuring Pilate, you were measuring the crowd, but always ready in each one of those situations as you measured their hearts to stand with your arms wide open, just welcoming them in if they would just ask. So thank you, Father, for such powerful reminders this morning. Thank you for this story that Joanne shared her and Bill and Audra and their family and all that was done, this great faith. And they stood. But when it was time for forgiveness, thank you that Joanne was obedient. The supernatural released in this prayer when we stand and pray. Thank you, Father, that by your Spirit we can forgive fully, completely, always, and everywhere. Thank you, Father. Do now in this time what only you can do. I don't know what, you're, what you plan to touch hearts and how you plan to do it. But thank you, Father, that you do. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.